first and absolutely foremost happy birthday to my mom june 1st mom's birthday happy birthday mom throwback thursday so you know we have some entertaining and perhaps enlightening throwback blue jay stories that perhaps you've not heard before and since the blue jays are finishing their series with milwaukee this afternoon we have throwback thursday blue jays brewer stories and as the jays head to new york this weekend to take on the surging new york mets we've got some fun jays mets throwback stories too now first thing we'll do is get you set for today's rubber match kevin gosman versus freddie peralta you are locked on blue jays your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. Yes, indeed, I am Locked On the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm a longtime Toronto Blue Jay fan. Absolutely appreciate you spending part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. Uh, hit that like, that follow, that subscribe, drop the comment, help Locked On Blue Jays grow. For those of you becoming everydayers as well, making the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast your first podcast, listen every single day. I see you, and I absolutely thank you, and I'm really looking forward to this to the season getting better, right? I, I know it's a winning team right now, but it's, I mean, truth be told, it's a last-place team. You know, I, again, if I say truth be told, we, we, we've had higher expectations than, than where we are so far. Now, everydayers will recall, of course, that we've spoken many times throughout this season about what an absolute bear the beginning of this season is. It is it, it is wow. The second half of the season significantly more in the favor of the Toronto Blue Jays. So just need to tread water. Can't get left behind. And that may be happening already in the division. But as far as the, the playoffs, just need to, to stick around and then get ready to make that run in the second half. Now, of course, a, a throwback Thursday. So a second a segment going to have some great throwback Thursday stories when it comes to Blue Jays Brewers. And the Blue, the Blue Jays head to, I mean, the schedule again, right? <laughs> Worst time to face the New York Mets. So they're, they're finally getting hot now. Now the Blue Jays have them on their schedule. Okay, so heading into New York on the weekend. So in the final segment, we'll have some throwback Thursday Mets-Blue Jays talk as well. Let's get into the, the game for today. It's the rubber match. I I mean, again, everydayers are going to know. I predicted the Blue Jays would sweep this series. I, I'm surprised. I, I know the offense has really been scuffling lately. You know, they had that 20-run explosion last Tuesday. Well, remember, the Blue Jays had 19 total runs the six games leading up to that 20-run explosion. And immediately following that 20 that runs, in the seven games since, Blue Jays have totaled 28 runs. Should I say just 28 runs? Remember, even in this uh, in this Milwaukee series, the Blue Jays uh, scored seven runs in the first three innings. I was at that Tuesday night game. Uh, they scored seven runs in the first three innings and then nothing the rest of the game and just two runs in last night's loss. So over their last 14 innings, in front of the home crowd, right, where they should be hitting at home, should be doing significantly better, right? Witt's still looking for his first Rogers Center home run. Vlad's still looking for his first Rogers Center home run. Holy moly, last 14 innings, two runs. Wow, wow, going to need to be much better. And remember, this is Kevin Gosman. The, the, the Blue Jays average like three runs per game for Kevin Gosman, so my goodness. But let's get into, into this pitching matchup here now. Uh, Kevin Gosman, outside of those two starts, remember he had that he gave up those seven runs in that first inning at Houston, was bad in that start, and, and he gave up the five runs in that second, uh, second inning at Boston. So outside of those two starts, you've got nine starts that Kevin Gosman has made this season. He's totaled 60 and a third innings over those nine starts just Eight earned runs. It's a 1.19 ERA. Holy moly. In those 60 and one-third innings, how about 80? Pardon? 
80 strikeouts for Kevin Gosman. My goodness. Five games so far already this season. He's had at least nine strikeouts in there as well, by the way, is a career-high 13 strikeout performance by Kevin Gosman. Opponents hitting 186 versus his splitter. <laughs> is that good? Kevin Gosman has generated 55-0 strikeouts this season with the splitter as the strike three pitch. I mean, how many pitchers don't even have 50 strikeouts period this season kevin gosman's got five zero on the splitter alone it's a top tier pitch in all of baseball now the blue jays uh, did lose four of gosman's uh five may starts uh, again you know uh, three runs per game right that's an issue now traditionally here's something to, to watch now because i've been really pleased we just went over the numbers outside of those two starts how good gosman's been but traditionally kevin gosman has really struggled in the months of june and july so let's watch that very closely here now, as far as this game's concerned, no current Brewer has ever homered off Kevin Gosman. Owen Miller and Brian Anderson, these are the two to watch in this game today. They're a combined 6-for-16 in their careers against Kevin Gosman. The rest of the Milwaukee Brewers combined 1-for-19 versus Kevin Gosman. Wow. Christian Yelich, 1-for-9 with four strikeouts. Wow. So Gosman has dominated outside of Owen Miller and Brian Anderson. Now, this season... Miller has, is hitting righties. He's hitting on the road. Anderson is hitting righties as well. Now, he's, he's struggling. Per, you, know, you would say he's struggling. This is his first season in Milwaukee. Remember Anderson, that longtime uh, uh, Miami Marlin. But, Mil yeah, Owen Miller and Brian Anderson, they're the two to watch in, uh, for Kevin Gosman today. For Gosman, this will be his seventh day start of the season. In his previous six day starts, 40 innings pitched, two runs allowed. Pardon? 40 innings pitched, two runs allowed. It's a 0 0.45 ERA in his six-day starts. <laughs> wow. Freddie Peralta on the mound for Milwaukee. Freddie Peralta, breakout season in 2021, just 9-8 and eight since then. This will be his first ever start at Rogers Center now. Freddie Peralta's done some fine work in his day starts as well. He's 4-1 with a 3.41 ERA in his day starts. Five of his last eight Milwaukee starts, they've given them three runs or fewer. So, hey, FanDuel's a, a sponsor of the show here. If you take, I, I would, I'll be looking at the under in this game this afternoon. At two of his last three starts, uh, in fact, for, for Freddie Peralta, my goodness, I, I would like this to become three of his last four starts because watch this. Two of Freddie Peralta's last three starts, Milwaukee has lost one of them 18-1 to to St. Louis and 15-1 to to San Francisco. That was his last time out, actually, that 15-1 to game. Wow. Brewers have won just one of Peralta's four road starts. Uh, and, and now... Worth, I mean, it is worth mentioning that last win was his last road start. I, I will say that, and it, I say it's worth mentioning because it's, it was his last road start, yes, but he, uh, it was against Tampa Bay, at Tampa Bay. You know the Rays have been just eye-pop emoji this season, right? But in particular at home, they're 26-6. and six. Well, one of the six losses was the last time we saw Freddie Peralta on the road, okay? And in that particular game as well, he had all his pitches mix, uh, uh, working, had a really nice mix going, and was a ground ball machine, something we don't want to see this afternoon at the Rogers Center. Heavy fastballs. You'll see a lot of fastballs from Freddie Peralta. He runs it up there in the mid to high 90s. Now, interesting to see because we know that even with these Blue Jays struggling offensively, we know they can still – deal with a fastball they can still do damage to a fastball in particular someone like kevin kiermeyer so i'll be interested to see if he's in the game this is remember this is a day game after a night game he's been injured or or, or 
at least, you know, hobbling, at least hampered the last few days. So we'll, I'm interested to see if Kevin Kiermaier is in the lineup today. Peralta will mix in a slider, a curve, and a changeup, but it's going to be a heavy. I mean, Blue Jays need to go up there looking for that fastball. It's going to be a heavy, heavy dose, a heavy diet of the fastballs tonight. He's only ever faced, not a lot of Jays have faced Freddie Peralta. He's, he's only ever faced Tyler Heineman once. Uh, he faced Varsho once. He's faced Witt four times. Now, these Blue Jays are 0 for 6 against them. Okay. You know what's really odd is he faced Kevin Gosman. Of course, pitchers used to hit, right? He's actually faced Kevin Gosman twice, and got him out once, and walked him once. Reminder that you can catch today's Blue Jays Brewers game on Sirius XM. Now, coming up on Locked On Blue Jays, we get into some Throwback Thursday stories about the Blue Jays and Brewers. And in our last segment, we'll look at some Throwback Thursday stories about the Blue Jays and the New York Mets as the Blue Jays heading to New York for a weekend series with the Mets starting tomorrow. Now, first, I'm, I'm often asked about, you know, Craig, do you like to go to the Blue Jay games? Do you go to the games? How do you get your tickets? Where do you get your tickets? And I never did really like going. I love the renovations now. And I never had a good answer for, you know, how to get the tickets, where to get the tickets. Well, I do now. Game time, the, the game time app, gametime.co. I mean, buying tickets to your favorite events, it shouldn't be stressful, right? And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last minute tickets. You get the best price guarantee, and you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. There's the Jansen and uh, uh, Jansen and Romano bobblehead. Use, use the game time app. Super easy to use the app. Get into the game. Got that bobblehead. Uh, on, on, I mentioned earlier on this episode, uh, I was at the game on Tuesday using the game time app. And I, I'm looking to go. I think I'll, I'll go to one of the games during the Houston series as well. I just really appreciate how easy it is. Literally two clicks and you're all set. I mean, it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country uh, for a reason, right? I really like the game time guarantee. Now, the game time guarantee means you always get the best prices. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Now, again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now on Throwback Thursday, let's take a look at the relationship or the history of the Milwaukee Brewers and the Toronto Blue Jays. Everydayers will know you've heard me say before that the Milwaukee Brewers were back in the day what the Tampa Bay Rays are these days. And you know, Tampa Bay Rays, we, we've been through this before, right? The the first five seasons of the Rays' existence, Jays won the, the series, season series every single time. In the 20 seasons since, Blue Jays have won the season series versus the Rays just four times. It, it, it It's never mattered who was on, what, what the rosters were, what the pitching matchups were, who was playing well at that time, what place was everyone, nothing's ever mattered. The Rays always are a nightmare for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, that's how the Milwaukee Brewers used to be for the Toronto Blue Jays. And if you're old enough to remember, the Brewers were in the American League East with the Jays for years and years and years. It, it used to be American League East, American League West, National League East, National League West. And you won your division or you went home, right? There was no wild card, nothing like that. And the Milwaukee Brewers... Detroit Tigers, there's a lot of teams that aren't in the AL East anymore that were longtime rivals of the Blue Jays in, in the American League East. The and none, oh man, none more detrimental than the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, 27 seasons of so the Blue Jays, this is their 47th season of existence, but of course, haven't played the Brewers every single one of those years. Have played the Brewers 27 seasons uh, in over uh, 27 seasons, have won the season series with the Milwaukee Brewers. Those 27 seasons have won the season series. 
five times. <laughs> five times. In the 70s, the Blue Jays went 13 and 30. That was an expansion team, right? So that's understandable, right? But as the Blue Jays, you know, really started picking up steam, really became a, a, a legitimate franchise, a legitimate team in the 80s and 90s, still massive losing record to the Milwaukee Brewers, 101 and 123 in the 80s and the 90s, Blue Jays versus the Brewers, right? Is this sounding... Jays versus Rays to you, right? You see what I mean, man? The Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers are the originators of the bolt head. The Tampa Bay Rays make it so there's no regrowth happening, right? But the Milwaukee Brewers, they were the originators of this. My goodness. How about some uh, traditional Milwaukee Brewers, you know, studs? How have they done versus the Blue Jays? Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich just 240 with one career home run in eight games versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays have held him down. Blue Jays have held him down. Rowdy, Rowdy Tellez, two for 11 versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Both home runs were against Jose Barrios last season in Milwaukee. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, easy to cheer for Rowdy, right? But but easy, Rowdy. Not one, but two home runs in a game against the Blue Jays. Hey, easy there, big fella. How about Corbin Burns? Corbin Burns, top seven in Cy Young the last three seasons, including winning a Cy Young in there, by the way. He's had just one start ever versus the Toronto Blue Jays. It was last season, and it was a good one, as you can imagine. Seven and two-thirds innings, uh, nine strikeouts. Uh, in that particular game, uh, Kevin Biggio led off. Uh, Teo played, Tapia played, Zimmer played, Lourdes played, Moreno played. So even if the Blue Jays were going to see Corbin Burns in this series, which thankfully they they didn't, right, just the way the schedule worked out. Finally, a nice – the schedule's been so difficult, right? Finally, finally the schedule – it's been giving so much taketh away. Finally, the schedule giveth as the Blue Jays do get to avoid or do get to miss Corbin Burns uh, this time around. And Corbin Burns in that particular game, if you take your minds out back, if you remember that game last season I, with Milwaukee and the Blue Jays, uh, Corbin Burns, uh, again, that gem. But the best pitcher that day for the Toronto Blue Jays, as, as you say, Kikuchi got rocked early on, it was Max Castillo. It was his second ever game. This is a real feel-good story. This is his coming out party. He pitched four innings, shutout innings, seven strikeouts. We were all starting to get really excited about Max Castillo right now. Ultimately, he would be part of that uh, Whit Merrifield trade, which hopefully is going to work out for our all parties involved, of course. Now, if you're talking, you know, Toronto Blue Jays and, and Milwaukee Brewers, and you're talking traditionally speaking, well, of course, Paul Molitor is going to be in there. How did he do versus the Toronto Blue Jays? 197 games versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, there, there was no uh, interleague, right? So you played the American League East and you played the American League West. That's it. When Molitor spent all those seasons in Milwaukee, that's it. 197 games, 287 average. 351 on base and a 784 OPS. None of those numbers are to be sneezed at. None of those numbers are bad by any stretch of the imagination, but they are all well below Paul Molitor's career averages, and they're all well below Paul Molitor. So the Blue Jays actually were effective over the years against Paul Molitor. Not so much against Robin Yount. Robin Yount played over 200 games versus the Toronto Blue Jays. 330 career average in 200 games. That's a massive sample size. 330 with a 901 OPS, Robin Yount, goodness, he started out as a shortstop then ended up being a center fielder for several seasons for Milwaukee, and oh my gosh, he was awesome, and clearly against the Jays, he was awesome. Those teams as well, if you're around for those teams, you remember they had that first baseman, Cecil Cooper, Cecil Cooper, always a, a very good uh, hitter, a left-handed hitter, uh, always a force at the plate. He was 302 in his career against the Toronto Blue Jays, so... Cooper did to the Blue Jays what he did to many teams, which was he hit. How about Rolly Fingers? Rolly Fingers, the uh, the 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 closer, the 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 mustachioed closer, right? Spent most of his time with the Oakland A's, sure, but uh, did did spend some good seasons there with the Milwaukee Brewers. George Bell, my favorite Toronto Blue Jay ever. George Bell, the only Blue Jay ever to hit a home run off of Rolly Fingers. 
that brings us to the 1987 meltdown. We're talking throwback Thursday right now. One of these days we are going to deep dive the the last three games of the season for the Toronto Blue Jays in the 1987 season. I mean, long story short, basically, would you believe one of the great collapses in baseball history was authored by your Toronto Blue Jays? It was in 1987. The last seven games of the season, the 96-win Toronto Blue Jays needed to win one of the last seven games of the season. Again, 87, right? Two divisions in each league, no wild card. You win your division or you go home. Blue Jays was the uh, Blue Jays would on, on, on Friday, September the 25th, down two nothing in the bottom of the ninth against the Tigers. They would rally for three in the walk off the very next day, Saturday, September 26th, down nine seven to the Tigers, bottom of the ninth, rally for three and the walk off. Now there's one week left in the season. And if the not, not, that's 96 wins now for the Jays with a week left in the season, if they win one game, the final seven days, final seven games, if they win once, they win the American League East. And to be totally honest with you, I don't even think this is my Homerism showing here, my Jays fandom showing here. Probably we're going to win the whole darn thing. Wow. Holy moly. They, they would lose that last game of that Detroit series that Sunday. Then they, so now they've got six games left. Just need to win one. It's three at home against Milwaukee and then three in Detroit. And Detroit's the team chasing the Blue Jays for second place. Well, of course, Milwaukee, third place team, doesn't matter. It didn't matter. Records didn't matter. What was that? Nothing mattered. Jays needed to win. Nothing mattered. Milwaukee was the race. They beat the Jays every single time. So Jays need one win in this Milwaukee series or one in the Detroit series. But here's the Milwaukee series first. The first game of that series, Paul Molitor, key home run in a 6-4 Bluer victory. They beat Mike Flanagan. Second game, the 17-6 and with an ERA at two and a half, Jimmy Key, stud, absolute star, Jimmy Key on the mound against Chris Bosio, who is 10 and seven with an ERA in the fives. What could go wrong, right? Again, doesn't matter who's pitching, who's, nothing matters. Milwaukee was this, was the thorn in the side of the Toronto Blue Jays. Paul Molitor again with the key hit. Jimmy Key gets rocked. Chris Bosio throws a complete game gem. Uh, okay, how, how does that make any sense at all? Like only Milwaukee, only Milwaukee's third and final game of the series. Dave Steeb against Juan Nieves. Paul Molitor, stop me if you've heard this, right? Again, with a great game for Milwaukee. He draws three walks, scores twice. It's a 5-2 Milwaukee victory. Juan Nieves, his ERA was in the fives, just like Chris Basio the day before. Dave Steeb didn't get out of the fifth inning. And Juan Nieves, just like Chris Bosio the day before, complete game gem. Are you absolutely kidding me right now? Are you absolutely kidding me? I mean, we'll get into the Detroit series at, at a throwback Thursday later on just to complete the absolute meltdown. I mean, you can see where I'm going with it, right? This spoiler alert, they, they lost all three games in the Detroit series as well by one run. Every game, an absolute heartbreaker. Every game, it, yeah, I was going to say every game is its own story. We'll, we'll get into that at another throwback Thursday. So the 1987 Blue Jays would miss the playoffs by one game. All told that season, they went 4-9 and nine against the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, final segment on the Throwback Thursday with the Blue Jays heading to New York for a three-game weekend series against the New York Mets. I know, at home, three-game road trip against the Mets, then back home for another bear of a week. That This whole, everydayers will know, right? We've talked about the schedule you know, many times here on Locked on Blue Jays. Uh, the first half schedule is as difficult a, a first half of a season schedule as I've ever seen. And 
a lot of it is just happenstance, right? Right. We know that a lot of it is simply because of the the renovations and things like that. Like absolutely legit. There's nothing nefarious here by major league. I mean, nothing like that, right? But still, the results are what the results are. Extremely difficult schedule. Blue Jays smack dab in the middle of it as they're going to head to New York, which is the the New York Mets. All of a sudden, playing very good baseball. Not the time to be running into the New York Mets, but anyway, we'll, we'll look at that uh, and we'll, we'll deep dive the weekend series on tomorrow's Locked On Blue Jays. For today, let's finish by looking at the at who my lineup would be. And now, th- this is a lineup of players who have played for the Toronto Blue Jays and for the New York Mets. This is a, a two great franchises to compare for something like this because there's a lot of crossover and a lot of fantastic crossover between these two organizations. Let's start at first base. I've got John Oliver to first base. Played for the Mets, played for the Blue Jays. Now, Craig, so did Carlos Delgado. You're screaming at me right now. You're absolutely right. Now, of course, I've got Carlos Del Suato at my DH spot. John Olerud with the three gold gloves, that's what that's what sets him apart here. I mean, how can I go wrong either way, right? But you're gonna I'm gonna get the, the bat of John Olerud and the, the defense of John Olerud and still have Carlos Delgado in my back pocket as my DH. Oh my goodness. The the first base spot, needless to say, is the strongest <laughs> of these positions. Second base. How about Jeff Kent? Jeff Kent started his career in Toronto, traded to the Mets for David Cohn. What a monumental trade that is in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history, right? Are, are the Jays the champs in 92 if there's no David Cohn? I mean, no, right? Now, Jeff Kent would go on to his stardom with the Giants. So ironically, started his career with the Blue Jays and the Mets, uh, but really, really kicked things into that next level when he when he went over to the Giants, right? Hated Barry Bonds, but of course, Bonds hit third and Jeff Kent hit fourth for many successful seasons out there in San Francisco. So Jeff Kent at second base. At third base, I've got Edgardo Alfonso. Now, many top 15 MVP finishes as a New York Met. And I get lucky here because his career ended in 2006 as a Toronto Blue Jay. Played the last dozen games of the season for, for the of his career for the Toronto Blue Jays. So I do get lucky there. I can use Edgardo Alfonso. If you're old enough to remember him as a Met, and man, very steady, very good third baseman. A very good offensive third baseman for many years for the New York Mets. At shortstop. I mean, Molitor and Delgado is easy, right? Shortstop's easy. Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez. Every dayers will know how how often we, you know, anytime we, we, we see an opportunity where we can talk about and praise Tony Fernandez, we take it. Love Tony Fernandez, one of the favorite Blue Jays in, in, in this fan base ever. A four-time Blue Jay, and one of those was in 93. Now, the Mets had, had brought him in. Remember, he was a part of that huge trade, of course, that brought Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the Padres... Would trade would end up trading him after the '92 season to the Mets. In '93, he was just off to a terrible start with the Mets. He had played uh, was a 48 games. He was hitting like 225. Oh my goodness! So Blue Jays reacquired him. Well, he would go on to play 98, 94 games. Sorry for the for the '93 Toronto Blue Jays hitting 308. And how huge should we use the word massive? Yeah, how massive was Tony Fernandez in the 1993 World Series for the Toronto Blue Jays? I mean. We talked about Paul Molitor earlier. Did the Jays win the 93 World Series without Paul Molitor? He's the MVP. Of course they do not. But you can also say the same about Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez set set offensive uh, uh, offensive records for shortstops in the World Series, in the 93 World Series. He was sensational. The catcher, Charlie O'Brien. I'm thrilled to be able to highlight Charlie O'Brien. He played for the Mets. He played for the Blue Jays. One of my favorite Blue Jays ever. And and uh, the reason being, Charlie O'Brien, as a... a, a, a as a Blue Jay, it was in the 96 season. He took a back-to-back foul tips off the mask. Now, Charlie O'Brien, for those of you, you know, 
young enough to you, you'll think that the catcher mask, that goalie style catcher mask is the catcher mask has always been the catcher mask. But you, you may even know that prior to that forever in baseball, it wasn't it, it was this guy right here. Oh, Bo just fell. That's okay. Remember, it was it was this thing right here. The helmet, the helmet would go on with the United had the padding and everything inside. The helmet would go on, and then the mask affixed affixed on top of that, right? And on foul balls or anything like that, you'd throw off the mask, toss it, get it the heck out of there, and try to make the play. Charlie O'Brien, let's put this back up here. Shout out to Big Nish. That's a Big Nish design right there as well. Charlie O'Brien back to back foul tips to the face realizes, my gosh, there's got to be a better way. Now he's in Toronto now, right? He's fresh off his 95 World Series win with the Atlanta Braves, by the way. So he's he's just on fire in his life right now in Toronto. Hockey centric sees the hockey masks partners with Van Velden Masks Incorporated. That's a company here in Hamilton. Another reason why I'm so proud. This is all Canadian done. And they uh, uh, create the goalie style mask that how many of the catchers almost all of them use to this day. It was called the All-Star MVP. That's what they called it. Major League Baseball approved it in that 96 season, and the rest is history. Charlie O'Brien, as a Toronto Blue Jay, using a Toronto company, revolutionized the way baseball is played, in particular the safety of the game of baseball. I, I think that is epically cool. Let's turn our attention to the outfield. Out in left field, Ricky Henderson. Man, <laughs> now... I get lucky here because you know, Ricky Henderson was in the was in the majors for like twenty five parts of like twenty five seasons. We know Ricky Henderson was incredible. Didn't play much for the Jays or the Mets, but did play for both. So he fits into this category, right? He played only one hundred and ninety six of his three thousand and eighty one <laughs> games with the Blue Jays and and Mets. Sorry, uh, stole only sixty four of his fourteen hundred plus stolen bases with the Mets and the Blue Jays. Now, the, the Mets, of course, didn't get a whole lot of goodness from Ricky Henderson. And on the surface, his numbers with the 1993 Toronto Blue Jays will underwhelm you. In particular, his World Series numbers will underwhelm you. But if you were around for those teams, then you know this guy was massive. I've already said, you know, do the Jays win the 93 World Series if it's not for Molitor and Fernandez? So maybe I'm pushing, you know, maybe I'm going too far right now. But I'm going to ask it again. Do, do they win that World Series if it wasn't for the contributions? Because Ricky Henderson was really good. Numbers-wise, no, but a spark plug-wise, Ricky Henderson was really good for the 1993 Toronto Blue Jays. Speaking of spark plugs, how about in center field, Mookie Wilson? 12 Major League Baseball seasons, all of them with the Mets and the Blue Jays. In the 1989 a trade deadline, the Blue Jays acquired Mookie from the Mets. He was the absolute spark that led the Blue Jays to that 89 playoffs. The Blue Jays make the playoffs in 89. When Mookie Wilson walks in the door, they weren't in a playoff spot. Again, I'm going to remind you, that was just with the four divisions, right? You won your AL East, AL West, NL East, NL West. You win your division or you go home. The Blue Jays were a good team in 89, had that Cito Gaston magic going, but but weren't, weren't in a playoff spot. Mookie Wilson came in. Again, I'm going to say, you know, if you look at the numbers, you might be a little underwhelmed with that. But if you are around for that team and that season, then you know he was absolutely the spark that got them to the playoffs. Mookie Wilson was a Blue Jay for three seasons, and, and uh, two of them, they were playoff teams. I mean, love Mookie Wilson. Mookie Wilson, of course, you know, in, in Mets lore, the, the famous uh, 1986 World Series where Bill Buckner, the, the, the Red Sox first baseman, on the third out to win the World Series in Game 6 for the Red Sox, had that ball go between his legs. That was Mookie Wilson that hit that ball. Out in right field, Jose Bautista. After a decade with the Blue Jays that ended in 2017, Bautista would play for three different teams trying to keep his career going in 2018. It didn't work out, of course. Now, the Mets were one of those teams, Atlanta, the Mets, and Philly. Now, all told, uh, in, in that uh, 2018 season, just a 203 average. I mean, Jose Bautista was was done. 
uh, I was I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, a fellow Blue Jay fan, and uh, there was something I, I was looking at for Jose Bautista to, to deep dive. I don't remember what it was now, but I was really, really surprised. Of course, I knew Jose Bautista was a good Blue Jay for a long time, but the longevity, I mean, I see why he's getting a spot in the level of excellence. The longevity is extremely impressive from Bautista. A decade, a decade as a Toronto Blue Jay. In 2010 and 2011, he was having those video game seasons where he was just hitting home runs all over the place, leading league, you know, both those years, like just, just incredible, right? Then you fast forward to 2015 and 2016, he's one of the best Blue Jays in those playoffs as well, not just the bad flip, other moments that he had in those playoffs as well. So uh, uh, Jose Bautista, yeah, tip of the cap to Jose Bautista. DH, of course, mentioned Carlos Delgado, a three-time top 12 MVP as a Blue Jay, two-time top 12 MVP as a Met. He's the one on this list that really was awesome for both franchises and, and for the Mets as well. The, the only time Delgado played, I, I believe it was the only playoffs he ever made, was the 2006 with the Mets, and he was awesome in that playoff series for the New York Mets. Well, Craig, Shirley, you have a pitching staff. Hey, don't call me Shirley. And yes, absolutely, I've got a pitching staff. We're going to start with someone we've mentioned already, David Cohn. David Cohn is at the top of this rotation. I hate to say that Marcus Stroman, the Stroh Show, is also at the top of this rotation. I've got Steven Matz bringing me some balance as a lefty in this rotation. All three of these players, of course, prominent with the Mets and the Blue Jays over the years. How about last year's New York Met, this year's Toronto Blue Jay, the Hound on the mound? How about Chris Bassett in my four slot there? Maybe even in my three slot ahead of uh, Matz, right? But, but Chris Bassett settling somewhere into this rotation nicely. And... I was tempted to go with R.A. Dickey because he's an innings eater, so strategically I could see value there. I'm not a big R.A. Dickey fan, so I'm going to go Al Leiter. Al Leiter, and speaking of a lefty, right, there's another and some more balance from my rotation there. Leiter spent part of seven seasons with the Mets. Al Leiter spent part of seven seasons with the Blue Jays. Now, certainly his best years were with the New York Mets, but two of those seven seasons with the Blue Jays were in 1992 and 1993, so... Al Leiter has a pair of World Series rings with the Toronto Blue Jays. And at the closer, I'll go Brad Hand. I'm joking. I'm, of course, joking. I'm, of course, joking. I know he's a four-letter word. Hand is a four-letter word, but you know what I mean. I'm, of course, joking. I am going to go Miguel Batista as my closer. Miguel Batista, do you remember him? He's a guy that spent part of 18 seasons on the big league level, just two with the Mets and just two with the Jays, but the only season he ever had in his career as a closer was with the Blue Jays. Remember, he had 31 saves for the Blue Jays in 2005. In fact, he had 41 saves in his entire career. 36 of those 41 <laughs> yeah, were with the Toronto Blue Jays. 